Welcome to InterVR. You are now listening to the podcast about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, I have Neil Nellens, the uh, founder of a company called Ghost Machines uh, at ghostmachines.com, and this company is uh, doing uh, virtual reality gaming experiences. So, Neil, thanks so much for coming on the show, first of all. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's get right to it. What is a ghost machine? And and by the way, what are you famous for? Well, I'm, I'll go ahead and say it. Superbike TT. Um, Superbike TT. That was our initial Oculus, our first sort of release out into the ethersphere, um, the interweb uh, for the Oculus headset, virtual reality. Where did you um, – go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, Superbike is a motorcycle uh, simulation racing game that's uh, completely uh, uh, completely 3D. And it was made from the ground up for, for VR? Is that what I'm... That is correct, yes. So um, as far as like laying out the menus, getting the control systems, everything was uh, taken into consideration sort of VR player, the VR experience. Uh, and, and I take it it's still in development, so there's still more features and a lot more uh, kinks that are being worked out as we speak, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the main things that we got from demoing um, was people wanted more response with their weight changing and moving around on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't possible with the current <clears throat> with the current SDKs because it doesn't do positional tracking, but. When they when the Oculus guys update the SDK with the DK2, um, you'll have that data then to to use in the engine. And so you're anticip- so you're already anticipating uh, DK2's performance changes for your game already, right? I mean, you're trying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. How do you how how can you play? How can you be ahead of the uh, of, of the game, so to speak, in terms of anticipating the new changes of DK2. Uh, is there something that you can be doing as we speak right now to prepare for that, or is it all about waiting for that next SDK update? It's pretty much waiting for the next <clears throat> SDK update. There's not much reason to jump ahead of um, Oculus releases because anything that is occurring in the Rift, in the headset, is being uh, passed through their SDK. So... It's it's sort of you know you can't put the cart before the horse type of thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. I understand now. Um, so sticking to Superbike, where did you get the info, the idea, the did something influence you to create a game about uh, Supercross? Supercross. It's not Supercross. Superbikes. Uh... Well, I'm a, I'm a fan of GP racing. Uh, here in Austin, I just went to to the MotoGP. Event they had here, and I really enjoy that as a spectator sport. Nice. Um, I think it's unique, um, and, and as far as a racing aspect, just motorcycle motorcycle racing because uh, they don't refuel, and it's not about pits or you know strategy as much. It's more about driver skill, um, you know, and. It, I, it's sort of old school. I mean, I, I played uh, motorcycle racing games. I was a big Road Rash fan, um, you know, growing up. And then I got more into MotoGP and simulation sort of racing. 
Nice. Uh, Taurus Trophy is one. It, it was really good on the PlayStation. Um, but, you know, I didn't see that anyone's doing any motorcycle games anymore. I thought, man, this, this would be pretty cool. And probably, you know, you could whip together fairly easily. So, you know, that's, that's sort of the strategy. Uh, I like your thinking. You know, I, I think about some of my earliest childhood memories. Living with my mom in Nicaragua, I remember she would take uh, she would take us, to, uh, me and my younger brothers, to see these uh, superbike races. And, and there were just these random. Nicaragua would have these random superbike races a, a few days out of the year, and people would just go see them. And I remember some of my earliest memories just seeing dude zoom by as, as they had these rockets strapped between their legs and i just remember v feeling astonished and like are these people superhuman to be able to go that fast uh, and, and and you know it's just yeah it's a truly i think uh super bike racing is is, is truly uh, a really fun sport to watch i i saw the movie on netflix called uh, fastest i don't know if you recommend that one um but it's uh it's it's a documentary about super bikes and I'm in there, yeah, and it's just mind-blowing, really, the intensity of that sport. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Um, why do you think in the U.S. superbikes haven't, you know, just take, taken off like, like NASCAR? Uh, that's a very good question. I think that um, it's probably because of the, of the danger aspect, maybe. It's a, I think it's more accessible for people because of low cost, you know, to actually participate. But mm -hmm. it's something that most people will never get a chance to do. So it seems like something is pretty good for virtual reality. Definitely. I, you know, uh, in, ter in terms of the sport and sticking to Superbike as a sport for a little bit, um, how, you know, because I, I also watch I, I, this this one, do, you know, and I think now I'm, I think I'm an expert because I've been watching Netflix documentaries on, on motorsports. So I saw the one on Senna, uh, Artur Senna, the, the Brazilian, uh, you know, Formula One, uh, uh, you know, what was he? He was like a, a prodigy, prodigy child for a while. I mean, he was like eight time world champion. He was, you know, like the... Not yet. The greatest, uh, the greatest racer. So he wasn't human, and and you know, watching that 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 uh, you know his documentary and seeing how the he would describe his 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 way of driving the cars, and there was a point in that movie where he started struggling to compete against. Uh, other teams' machines because their computers were getting a lot better inside the, the actual cars. And, and so I'm wondering, you know, I know I took you on a wild tangent, but do you, is, is Superbike a sport where the machine, you know, no matter how good the human is, you know, as, as long as you have the best engineers, you're going to still keep winning? What do you think? Uh, I think that that is very likely because most motorsports are like that, but um, you have to have a consistent driver that goes along with that machine. So I think that it just so happens usually that the best drivers tend to get on the best teams, and then those teams have the best engineers. Do you think it'd, it'd ever be fun to watch, uh, for example, Google versus Ford versus Sony? I don't know why Sony versus BMW. You know, put together their own their own self-driving vehicles and uh, see which team of engineers would have the best algorithm to get around the track with the best cars. Yeah, Do you think that'd that be boring be, to watch if, if they remove the human from yeah. it? Actually, I think that could be like the next version of the DARPA challenge, where it's just for speed. Yes. 
That would be awesome. That would be. Uh, but no, I, I think... But I wonder whether whether people would still go and see car races without humans in them. That's a very good question. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know either. Um, going back to Superbike TT, I, I, again, I took you on the wild tangent here. Um, what, what are you? What sort of features are you planning on on implementing in the future? Uh, what can people look forward to in terms of uh, you know once it's a full game release? If of course, if you're allowed to say, um, the I guess the main thing would be sort of like the unlocked um, feature set of the game, which would be extended tracks, different locations around the globe that you're racing at, um, and also unlocking certain bikes that have different performance characteristics. So you sort of your menu is in a in a garage. It's actually a 3D space. Um, that you sit inside, and the menu floats in there, and that allows you to select, you know, new machine parts, new new parts of the bike, which change the performance um, dynamics of it. And then once you unlock all the tracks, then you get the golden, the golden fleece uh, superbike. Whoa, that's awesome! And, and so. Is there going to be leaderboards? Is that going to be something that can be will be? Yeah, that's so. That's something that will be part of the retail release. Will be a leaderboard which will keep track of your track times and then match your time with other players' times that are online. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about? I mean, has it has it ever crossed your 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 mind that maybe maybe uh, this this game could also be partnered with, partnered with arcades? Uh, I you know I uh, you know how the arcades have those you know motorbike mock-ups where you play in front of a screen. That stuff is antiquated compared to the you know marvelous alien technology that you're working on. So so have you, is that a thought that it, that's crossed your mind before? I think that's that's definitely something that will probably come down in the future is um, motion platform simulators and things like that in arcades. I think that, you know, for a while arcades, you know, receded and, and home consoles took over where that would be most people's experience in gaming. But I think that if you get into, you know, things that you can't have at home like motion platforms and simulators – it might go back to the arcades and have sort of, uh, you know, a, re- a renewal of, of arcade culture. Do you think the Oculus Rift might be might bring about the second coming of of, of arcade uh, arcades? Uh, uh, you know, I think that that um, could be a big part of it. Yeah. The you know the, I think the the question is really when you when it comes to arcades is. How long before the technology, the consumer at home technology, catches up to the arcades? Because I, I think, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, that's how the first generation of arcades got taken out. It was because people were able to afford these these arcade machines inside their houses. And so, the, the question this time around, I mean, I think it it would be an, a wise business decision to try to find a way to meld or, uh, virtual reality with arcades but the problem is is figuring out how long how much time do you have you know to make to, to make the, the most amount of money before everyone has one at home uh, I, I mean in my opinion that's what I'm thinking 
Um, yeah, for me, I'm not sure it's so much a race with the technology because the technology is going to be so affordable that anybody can have the technology anywhere. I mean, smartphones have already proven that with the you know with how they've changed how people communicate. So I think that what the arcades sort of metaphor, the the reason that it might sort of become more popular is for the social aspects. Um, rather than for the actual technology. You know, I actually been thinking about that I, as an idea, a business idea itself, you know, because we're moving in a direction where everybody is connected to technology some way, somehow, uh, whether it be through video games, through your phone, through, I mean, it's, it's just everywhere. And I think about, you know, uh, how do you give people novelty again? How do you bring back no the novelty of, for example, playing in a jungle gym or hang out, uh, playing billiards? So uh, in that sense, I was thinking about putting up an establishment where you could just go play uh, non-techno, like non-digital games. All it would be billiards or air hockey or, you know, go uh, have a, a jump rope place. But it would just be a place where people can just go and like play without a screen in front of their faces. I, I don't know. It just feels like, yeah, it would be, it would make sense probably 10 years, 20 years from now where everyone has a screen in front of their face and all of a sudden it's novel to not do that. I think that could definitely happen. Yeah. Are you, uh, I mean, what was the thing that got you into virtual reality in the first place? I, you know, I, I should have asked this a long time ago, but here we are now. <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen different demos of it. I saw uh, the Magic Carpet demo that Disney Imagineering did like 15 years ago. Um, that was like on a SGI. Um, and then I saw a demo um, that I think SGI actually manufactured a set of glasses or something. But they were really, uh, they were always like these huge devices, you know, that weighed like 30 or 40 pounds and had a lot of cabling. Um, you know, it was just not practical. And the frame rates um, and the polygons, you know, were were very basic. Mm -hmm. um, so I always was interested in it, but I never thought that anybody would make it, you know, as close to a cinematic experience um, that, that would make it interesting to develop on. Mm-hmm. But uh, after seeing, you know, the Oculus stuff and seeing the quality of that, then it was pretty apparent of, you know, what was on the horizon as far as what you could do. What uh, What was your first impression when you when you tried on the Rift? Um, I got sick. That's just, <laughs> that was the first thing. It, it's I did the Tuscany demo because mm -hmm. um, I actually saw it at South by Southwest the first year when they came here. Cool. And um, I went through the Tuscany thing, and I got sick going down the stairs. Like, and then I, did, you know, it was it was interesting, but I wasn't super impressed. Mm -hmm. um, it was the 3D was cool, and I liked the tracking, but I didn't like the movement. Like, I thought that was very arbitrary. So. The, the interface uh, bothered me, you know, immediately. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I am in the same camp with you. When I, the first couple, the first few times I had the Rift on, I um, until this day, I still get uh, motion sickness from from a really, uh, you know, how, how do you say, 
like like really crazy experiences like superbike i had to i had to i, I played the whole demo at 40 miles an hour or less <laughs> just to make sure that you know i had my my stomach in the right place fun game i i gotta admit you're you're putting you're you're putting a, a it feels like it's a labor of love for you so that's awesome and i and i, I and I highly encourage that you're thinking, you know, that you keep doing these things because I, I feel like motorsports isn't a, a genre that is well represented in the video game industry. I think there's not that many games, um, and, and because VR is so new, I, I figured it, this would be this would be the a blank slate to restart that and and rethink uh, what games will and will not be popular in the future. Um, hmm. What's your background like? Yeah, go so go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was uh, just thinking that uh, that, uh, that going through environments, like the, the, the experiences and the, and the demos that I've tried for the Rift so far, like the ones that I enjoyed the most are ones where you're moving through uh, an environment some, in some way. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, especially when it's, uh, when it's an open environment, I feel like, it has a much different feeling that can't be reproduced very easily. Yeah, what do you think would be the solution, uh, you know, looking forward into trying to solve this problem? Uh, well, I mean, I don't necessarily see it as a, as a problem. Um, I think it just comes down to good environment design. And it's something mm-hmm. that when you're making a game for a two-dimensional um, area or screen, Mm-hmm. Uh, you're usually just thinking from a single perspective of what needs to be communicated, and I think it's a much greater challenge to design something that is communicates in all directions, where you're not necessarily sure where the where the viewer might be looking. Right, and yeah, and so is there is there a way that the technology can perhaps try to anticipate uh, where the viewer might might be looking is that what um again i might be murdering it but i think that's what time warp is that john carmack is working on i probably probably isn't but is there a way for for the for the computer anticipate where you're looking to make the experience better or well, currently the the best way to do it is just to have all the elements represented in 3D space. So having having software that is um, placing the geometry in 3D space is the most accurate way. But if you want to actually record real space, then um, then it gets more complicated. Are you using Unity 3D by any chance? Yeah, we use Unity and we're using Unreal for our you know new developments. Nice. Oh, oh. So you made? Did you make the switch to Unreal after the the twenty dollar subscription thing? Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, uh, there. Epic is uh pretty smart by making that move. I, it still don't know what Unity is going to uh, do in response to that. I have. Have you heard of any of that? Um, I haven't, no. Yeah, neither have I. I wonder, yeah, it's still up in the air to see what Unity is going to do to respond. Because um, I honestly think at 20 bucks, yeah, it's uh, it's a really good deal. So, what's your background? I, I want to know, where, where, do you, where, do you, where do you come from, my friend? Uh, well, I uh, went to school at the Ringling School of Art and Design uh, for computer animation. Nice. And uh, for my thesis that I worked with four other guys um, that we made, I won an Academy Award um, for 
animation. Congratulations. And from that, um, I was offered a job at DreamWorks, uh, was starting a new gaming division um, that turned out to be DreamWorks Interactive, um, and they developed uh, the Medal of Honor series. So I was, a, I was an environment artist on the first three Medal of Honors for the PlayStation and PlayStation 2. Wow. Wow. I, uh, I founded a, a mobile company called Tiny Utopia in 2008, and uh, then I just uh, started this new development uh, called Ghost Machine. Very cool! Wow, that's uh, that's quite the resume, my friend. That's really cool. Well, what if I if I got in the time machine and I asked uh, ten ten year old Neil, what do you want to be when you grow up? What would he what, what would he say? Uh, filmmaker. I was I was always uh, had grown up wanting to be a director and make make movies. Yeah, and and so winding up doing work for DreamWorks and then and then doing level design on Medal of Honor, is did that somehow fulfill or help you fulfill that, that, that dream that you had? Yeah, I mean that I finally got to see, you know, firsthand how those productions developed, how how all those things ran and uh, I really enjoyed my time there and have friends that I still keep in touch with today. Nice. That's awesome. That's really cool. What did you, uh, and how many dogs do you have? <laughs> I have 20. Holy moly. Because, <laughs> yeah, I can I can hear one of them. <laughs> What's his name? Homer. Uh, Homer is is the beagle, and he actually has his very own mobile game. It's called Homer's Adventure Spectacular. <laughs> It is, it is quite the epic. That is that is quite epic. I gotta say, I did not. So, what does Homer do in his uh, epic adventure? Uh, he he shoots fire out of his ass, and he <laughs> and he uh, shoots lasers to sh shoot his three mortal enemies, who are car cockroaches, uh, horses, and cats. Um, so it's a it's a shoot 'em up. <laughs> what for the hardcore crowd. Is this is this is this for real, dude? Is it available on, on Google Play? Can I download it right now if I wanted to? Yeah, yeah it's on Google Play and so I'll have the iTunes as well. It's, it's called uh Homer's Adventure. Homer's Adventure Spectacular. Is he is he trying to save someone or he's just going on a on a on a rage rampage of Well he's trying to save the other dog, but I never got around to putting the other dog in the game. So <laughs> he just he just develops stronger and stronger superpowers, but that's basically the only thing that happens in the game. There's not, there's not really like an end scene. So in real life, he really does hate horses and 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 cockroaches, huh? Uh, I, I'm not sure about cockroaches. He probably just eats them. But horses, he are his mortal enemy. Yes, he he's very fearful of horses. What happened? Something about their eyes. Oh, did he have a bad experience or something? Was that? I don't know. My my wife got him at the pound, so he's a rescue dog, and he probably had some horrible experience where he was, you know, butt raped by a bunch of horses. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy, poor Homer. And then and then, is there a story behind cats? Do you guys have a cat that he hates also? Or uh, no, it, it's just something I thought I could throw in a neon cat, and it would be it would be cool. That's that's hilarious. I uh, I'm going to download that game <laughs> immediately after this call um, because he he shoots 
lasers out of his butt. No, rainbows out of his butt. What is it that he shoots out of his butt? It's, he, has, he shoots fire out of his butt, and he shoots laser like out of his mouth. So he's, it's, he's like flying forward <laughs> through space. Oh, man. That's... Uh... That's uh, that's amazing. Uh, speaking of of animals, for just stay, stay, staying on the subject of animals for a second, uh, it, it, do you think it'd be it'd be an in, uh, I, I know this is gonna be a sick idea, but do you think it'd be uh, uh, we could get some form of value from putting virtual reality headsets to you know monkeys or, or dogs and and trying to trick their brain? Do you think we would figure out more about the brains of other animals if we started experimenting with VR? Or is that a crazy road we shouldn't go on? I would think that there's probably something that could be discovered. I don't know what it would be, but there's, you know, I think that using monkeys for testing, you know, is usually, <laughs> it's usually the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, I mean, we, we put lipstick on them. We, you know, we, we try, me, we try you know, experimental medicines on them. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's, we, you, we human beings, we're such evil fucks. We're just plucking animals out of nature and just doing experiments with them. Um, but, yeah, I wonder if, if we would get scientific value from that data, being able to... I just don't know if they would want to do it or if they would throw the or they would throw it down like yeah like piece of technological witchcraft yeah it would have to be you're right it would have to be witchcraft because it would have to be to the point where you just put sunglasses over the monkey and the monkey's like what I'm I'm still well, maybe they would like it maybe if you put a really attractive monkey in the game then the monkey would be like yeah I'm into this you know virtual reality. You know, you know what I saw. Actually, now that we're now 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 that we're in the rabbit hole, let's let's take, let's go a little deeper because I, I what if, what if we could, you know how zoos have lions and and zebras and hippos and rhinos constrained in a small space. I mean that's that's a fact. How, but and so these these another thing that's factual I think is these a lot of these animals suffer from depression. I, I've seen some of the saddest things that in my life that I've seen have been. Uh, child beggars and elephants at a zoo because they just look like they want to be free like they want to roam and shit and, and they can't um, but I wonder if you could uh, use a virtual reality headset to trick them to walk in circles or to walk in a certain pattern and the, and so that the, what they would see through the headset would be open savanna but they would they would what what they would be actually doing is they'd be walking on a treadmill or they'd be walking in a certain pattern to twick trick their brains i saw sebastian kuntz from uh, uh i'm i'm in vr he was using uh experiments on people in france where they actually made you go through a hallway and and and, and they would you know have a vr headset over your head and they would trick you to think that you were walking in an infinite hallway or something but you were actually going in circles so that sounds like the weirdest zoo i've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you just walking into a zoo and you have animals with headsets strapped to their faces. <laughs> Going down an infinite hallway. Yeah. I would not want to be a developer tasked with that. <laughs> but, I mean, it would be a little bit more humane than having them just looking, looking at us and then having the us 
I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I guess. Uh, or we can make just a whole virtual zoo and then put the animals back in the, that, in the rainforest. <laughs> you know what? It's you. We should keep the headsets to the humans. I agree. I, let's, yeah, let's do that instead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, so... So I was, uh, before we got on this call, I was playing this game uh, that I was wondering if you had checked out. It's called Ethereon. Ethereum, I am writing it down and checking it out as soon as I can because the website is is Y A N T R A V R. I'm not even sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. Hmm. What's it about? Um, it looks like an adventure, but it's a guy that had worked on Ribbon, um, which I thought had really beautiful graphics, and it, I was I was impressed by it. I thought it was pretty. Pretty entertaining. Well, I'm gonna have to check it out. That sounds awesome. What, yeah, what is I just your? Found it today. What is your? What are your favorite Rift demos uh, that you've tried out so far? Well, that one's pretty good. That's probably one of the better ones. Another one that I played um, that I thought was not half bad was called uh, what was it called? It was called Logistics, the game. Ah, yes. Um, where you basically just throw, you just look down into a pile of boxes, and then you look up into at towards a truck, a delivery truck, and you just chuck the boxes in, into the back of the truck. Yeah, I remember playing that one a while ago. I think it was one of the yeah. first games on the Oculus Share Store. I th- I'm behind. I'm just trying to. Have, I'm catching up on all the demos and stuff, trying to see what people are doing. Right now, Rift Enable has more than 488 demos. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's like that's a crazy list. I mean, uh, I, you'd wonder. I mean, where are all these people who bought a Rift? What are they doing with it? I mean. I wonder if that's a good number, because what, 70,000 people bought the DK1 total, I, I think, I'm, I, maybe I'm pulling that number out of my butt, but that sounds right. yeah. it, But even even if, you know, 70, between 50 and 70, and you get, what, 488 demos, I wonder if that's a success for Oculus, if, that, if they're looking at the number and thinking to themselves, yeah, this isn't bad, or maybe they're, or they were expecting more demos, I don't know, what do you think? It seems like a pretty good number to me. I mean, that's like uh, almost one percent of all the people that own a developer kit made a demo and put it online. Not to mention the people that never put anything online. Yeah, I'm working on something. I just don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. But go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, I think that that's a that's a pretty substantial number. Yeah. Um, I think that one thing though is that is that what, you know, are the experiences that people are doing? Like, what different... Because I've seen some interesting stuff where they're doing, you know, like, um, limb, um, ghost limb, mm-hmm. you know, stuff, or amputees and things like that, and really interesting usage. You know, the 3D, like, the 360-degree 3D video stuff, like, there's a couple of guys that are doing different stuff with that, and to yeah. me, that is um, as interesting as all of the other stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's truly. I mean, right now it's definitely. I would say the horror horror game slash space shooter reigns supreme in terms of a theme that I keep seeing, and I think it's because of the DK one's inability to 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 produce, you know, high fidelity graphics. I think these scenes where everything is dark, I think is a lot more. Uh, it's a lot better to be in those with the current Rift, but. 
yeah, I'm truly excited because I, I you know, what you're talking about uh, 360 cameras. Is there going to be? I mean, I wonder what do you think will be the impact to to filmmaking once these cameras become available and people are taking advantage of them with a Rift. I feel like it'll always be a unique um, experience. I feel like it won't take over traditional filmmaking because it's too it's too present, it's too immersive, mm-hmm. um, and the, since the movement throws people off, you're sort of limited to exactly the narrative, you know, um, capabilities with it. If you're sort of just sitting in one space, it becomes more of like a theatrical production than traditional filmmaking i've never thought of it that way um, how, can you explain more in terms of theatrical versus filmmaking um it, it the experience will be more tantamount to going to a theater and sitting in the theater and having the theater around you um oh. rather than you being in a film and projecting in a theater your um you know your personality or your emotions onto the onto the film onto the story. Are you planning on jumping in that game? Are you, are you have you thought about doing three sixty video content? Uh, we'll definitely do something like that when the technology you know becomes apparent. But right now, there's nothing to get that experience across. There's people who've done different sorts of cheats for it, but the the spatial recording. You know, recording a volume of space in real time can't be achieved uh, right now. So that'll be, you know, for me, that's that's the point where it would become interesting on a storytelling basis. Oh. And then uh, would it be, do you think it's going to be a big company moving in uh, and, 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 and taking over leading the charge? Or is it is it more of uh, what's happening now, all these indie companies? surfacing to trying to I imagine it would probably more likely be a startup um, just because the technology doesn't exist currently and as far as I know there aren't very many companies working on that I think Steam um, or Valve mm-hmm. might be working on 3D recording technology but uh, they haven't announced anything yeah what uh, tell me more about Ghost Machine what do you uh, where did it all come from? What are you working on? What's the mission of the of this company that you're you're, put, you're putting together? Uh, well, we just want to put out different sorts of um, simulation experiences. So Superbike was the first, you know, sort of um, testing of that market and seeing how people responded to, you know, to very high impact um, adrenaline, you know, filled experiences like that rather than passive sort of puzzle solving, you know, you know, sit in a, in a field or whatever. And, uh, I think that there's a lot of people who want to, you know, have, uh, VR games like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so you're, are you aiming more for the casual consumer or more of the hardcore? I mean, what is your, Where's your target? It's definitely more the core high high end PC gamer. So I mean, our games with the simulations and stuff going on probably can't be even run on uh, mobile devices or any sort of low end consoles. Mm -hmm. So you know, we're thinking of more developing content for machines 
you know, that are improving performance and, you know, that are able to drive two 3D views of all the simulation stuff. What's your take on uh, mobile VR? Uh, mobile VR. Uh, is that is that something that, you know, we will see, you know, at all become mainstream or is this or is this going to be more of a, a niche sort of, um, you know, place for for VR enthusiasts? I think that's probably where things are going, and it's, you know, even Palmer Lucky, the the founder of Oculus, has said that he imagines once the speed of smartphones and mobile technologies improves sufficiently to drive the headset, then why would not people be using those with mobile devices? I just find the interface to be quite interesting, uh, how that would even look like. Uh, I mean, I, this is years in the future, uh, speaking, but it's just, you know, how do you, how will you be inside playing, how will you be inside your VR experience with your mobile phone, for example, your mobile VR thing? And then, yeah, I, I just, it's an interesting thing to think about, Um but, but then really, again, yeah. I mean, I imagine it would probably be like um, Minority Report, Mm. Uh, where there's just sort of floating menus in front of you, um, and then your gestures can manipulate the placement, you know, and size of the windows. Yeah. That... So, um, I think that's probably, you know, that's something that uh, I've just seen started to develop for the Oculus, too, where people are, you know, building OSs for, for their desktop mm -hmm. in it. Which you know that'll be that'll be somebody will do a good job of that and they'll make a lot of money um, because that's something that Oculus doesn't have any interest apparently in doing. And I think there's going to be a demand for it eventually. Um, oh yeah, I mean there's a demand for it now because when I'm testing games, you know, I'm I'm having to use a desktop and then have hold the glasses and stuff all day. I would much rather be able to switch demos and everything just inside the Oculus. Uh, that would be amazing. It would be, truly. Um, so, I mean, somebody will do that pretty soon. Before the Oculus goes retail, somebody will probably have a good, you know, good working prototype. Yeah, like, uh, because that's a whole, that's another uh, hurdle to, to, to jump the whole figuring out pro productivity and the interface of productivity inside of virtual reality. How do you, you know, again, how do you put together an Excel spreadsheet uh, will it be like what you said, interfaced over my, you know, over my already, over my living room, over my room, and then I'm just manipulating the numbers with, with a, a trackpad, or I, I don't know. Hmm. I mean, for the for the interim, it's probably going to be mostly icon driven and, and a visual system, just because the resolution isn't, you know, um, deep enough to do textual content, but. You know, that'll come as the technology improves. Yeah. It would be interesting to see what sorts of technology that would uh, even incorporate. Would it be like a front-facing camera or would it be like a projector sort of light projector? I don't know. That's uh, hmm. It's definitely something fun to think about. What do you think? Do you think Oculus would ever come up with a Rift with a front-facing stereo camera? I wonder if they could, be, if if developers could benefit from something like that. Well, the as far as I understand, the DK2 actually has a um, USB port on the Oculus um, now for any types of um, mounting, hardware mounting. So you could do like um, 
you know, the, the go motion and the cameras or anything like that for augmented reality. So they're definitely thinking about that. That would be amazing. I yeah, you. I think you. I think you're right in terms of putting a, a USB on the on the headset. Because then you could yeah you could hack it and, and and modify it so that you can have two cameras facing forward. And because that's um, there was a company I can't remember who they were, but they were at E3 or they were at uh, GDC um, showing off this device. I think it was like six hundred dollars. And basically, it was a pair of plastic goggles that you put your cell phone into for the screen, mm-hmm. and then it had a camera, and it would do augmented reality and stuff, and it just seemed like a really hacked-together, you know, prototype. But there's no reason you couldn't do something ten times better with the Oculus, you know, using a 3D camera mounted, and then do an augmented reality game, you know, where you're doing whatever in the actual space that you're in, but... Yeah, are you that company? By the way, is is Sulon. I think they're 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 selling the Sulon Cortex. They're from uh, I think they're from Toronto, and they're they're nice okay. people. I was I was in line to uh, try out their their prototype, um, and uh, I I got into a, a debate between this artist type of guy and this computer science dude, and we were all three of us having this debate over uh, whether cryptocurrency slash bitcoin are the future and we were just having these weird like we ended up talking about like how 9-11 was a conspiracy and that's when i was like all right guys this is gonna get crazy here but it was a uh, interesting I, I i i went inside the booth and i was about to try it out and there was a malfunction so i am going to hit them up because i want to i really want to try it out now that you you've piqued my interest well you know exactly what i'm talking about though. yeah 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 they're cool they're cool um what is your uh, so what's your opinion on you know the whole because you did Kickstarter and I wonder if because uh, the whole Facebook thing I wonder if that is affecting at all people's Kickstarter numbers you know what I'm saying like the people who funded the one of the, some of the most how do you say the most uh, angriest people. At Oculus, when the whole Facebook thing went down, were the Kickstarter backers. And I wonder if the same set of people are sort of feel, I don't know, hesitant to fund any more VR projects because now that Oculus has all this money, they could just acquire your studio and all of a sudden, where did the money go? Is, is that, do you think is that a mentality that's circling around in it or, in just, or am I just thinking too much about it? I'm sure that that's part of it. I'm sure that a lot of people feel burned by that, um, you know, by, by that takeover. But uh, it's, you know, that's just how Oculus felt that they could get um, the best devices for the lowest cost in consumers' hands. And ultimately, um, I don't see why everybody wouldn't want that because mm-hmm. it'll mean more content and it'll mean more... Uh, developers that will use their hardware. Mm-hmm. No, it's definitely a big deal and, and, and definitely a big push forward for the industry. I, I mean... And, but, and, but I agree with you. I think that there was for Kickstarter projects. I don't know if we were caught in that uh, or not, but there was definitely people that felt like they didn't want to be part of Oculus or be part of VR projects, especially on Kickstarter. So... Um, but Kickstarter is hard regardless, you know, it takes a lot of marketing, it takes a lot of PR, 
And, um, you know, sometimes good projects don't, don't get through, but that's just how, that's just how the system works. No, it's definitely a tough one. Uh, Kickstarter is definitely, you know, and I, and I also had some experience trying to raise money on, on Kickstarter a while ago and, and yeah, it didn't go through and it was a, a great learning experience, but, but Kickstarter is something that requires a lot of effort, a lot of, uh, you know, time to put into it and even if you have the greatest idea it's it's still super hard what's uh so so right now what is your plans going forward in terms of uh superbike tt are you going to keep at it with uh with with you know crowdsourcing or is this or, or are you venture capitalizing it what's your plan um, we're bootstrapping it because we've got enough resources in-house um, to finish the thing. So sort of on the heels of the, of the Superbike project, uh, we started developing a um, car racing project for Oculus. Nice. So we haven't released anything from this. We haven't released a playable demo. We're still working on that, but that'll be the next uh, project for us. If, if, if there was any way... That I could perhaps just just throw this throw this idea at you. I, I, if if it could at all ever be possible, please uh, include turtle shells. Me, my the ability to throw turtle shells at, at my opponent's car. <laughs> Sorry, that's a whole other series. But uh, okay. I'm super we'll excited. We'll talk offline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm I'm super excited about that. I think racing simulators are going to be a huge thing in the in the rift. Um, I, I and even uh, drivers ed. I think you know when I was learning to drive, I had to hire this guy for what was it a hundred and no seventy five bucks an hour. I, I paid that guy seventy five dollars an hour so he could teach me for three hours how to drive. Is there you know do you know of anyone or have, has it crossed your mind that perhaps we could use VR to teach or create a service that will teach kids how to drive? Uh, you know, teen, teenagers on drive, or is that waddling into? That absolutely, would, yeah. be, would be a great game to make. There's already a uh, a parking simulator oh, on yeah. the Oculus Share site that some. I think it's a Japanese guy made it, and it's actually really good. Like it's, it feels like you're inside this this crappy Buick Skylark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I wonder if you could make, somehow uh, partner up with the DMV or the, the Department of Motor Vehicles in your state or something and, and, and cut a deal with them. Like, hey, we'll, we'll create a VR simulation based on your guidelines. And, you oh, know. You, probably, you probably could. I don't know if I'd trust a driver that had only been on VR, though. <laughs> I, I want someone to actually get real, real world training. Yeah. I, dude, that's an interesting uh, point you bring up, right? because don't fighter jet pilots have to go, well, I don't know anything, but I wonder if they if they feel confident using VR simulations and then getting inside of a, the real thing. I wonder if it's, um, hmm, I wonder how that would work if VR could replace instructors that way for, for driving. Yeah, because that would be weird. But even before even before that happened, I think self-driving cars are just going to be around, and, and you know kids won't even see that happen that well. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's just as likely. Yeah, there's yeah there's there's so many possibilities now. God, I'm not even going to try to predict the future. There's no there's no point. It's it's so futile. What is your uh, um, 
ideas in terms of you know your your vision for virtual reality what do you think it's in the grand scheme of things what do you think it's gonna this this technology will become uh, it, well, it basically is just, will be just another communication medium I think in the end the, the point where I mean the games are really interesting because they take on a new dimension and there's a new you have a new relationship with the 3d space but the games aren't really that much different um, what I think will be really interesting is when you can transmit live signals from uh, from cameras or drones or whatever um, that you can that you can experience and you know they, there's been a lot of talk of virtual tourism and I think that that you know could be something that that will get very popular. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I, I you know I just like you, I think it's going to be huge when people can watch sporting events live from the pitch or the starting line or from multiple angles or. Yeah, or, or put a 360 camera on top of the International Space Station, and everybody can plug in to see how, you know, what what the world looks like from that vantage point at any given time. That would be crazy. But, I mean, the one thing that hasn't really changed, um, even with this medium, though, is that you're still just a voyeur. You're not, even if you're, even if you feel 100% like you're in the virtual space, you're still just observing it through a viewport. So um, that's something that's, you know, with communication, I don't know exactly what that will take on because no one is going to want to talk to somebody with a giant black mask on their face, you know. So mm -hmm. um, they, they, I think that there will be new technologies that will have to sort of fill the gaps of making it a true communication medium. Yeah, that is definitely a hurdle to cross or jump or whatever we need to do because I think that it's super weird to speak to faces inside of VR and those faces don't move and it's just sort of static. It's yeah, if it, I know you're a real person behind that face, but but it's still weird to not see that face, those lips move as as you speak. Um, but I mean, a, a, a sort of a, a potential fix would be 3D um, laser scanning. So every everyone who um, is you know is communicating on it with your account or whatever would scan your face, and then that would be put over your avatar, you know, based on your phonemes. Yeah, thinking about putting your real face on a, a VR or 3D avatar that can inhabit the metaphors makes me think a lot about the legal questions of what that might mean because I, I don't know you're putting your identity your face to to something and that's or or someone's face to something and I think that can get complicated sometime in the future um, yeah, especially if people you know um, you can choose any avatar so you can you could steal identities, you know, in the metaverse. Yeah, that's where VR and virtual reality and the law will collide, perhaps, where people are uh, are, are stealing people's identities, people's, people's faces, and then are out committing VR crimes or something. That's I always watch The Ghost in the Shell, you know, that was part of the inspiration for my new company's name, and... I was always very interested in cyber espionage and, you know, the future of, of what identity will be. Yeah, and then you pay attention to what's happening today, and that whole ghost in the shell feels like it's it's just they were thinking ahead of their time. That that series, I remember watching it when I was 
too young to understand it and i was just still blown away by the visuals and and yeah i had a a crush on the lieutenant but she um but it was such a good series I, i'm gonna have to rewatch it man because that's they 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 probably are they probably hit on some points that are still relevant till till this day um or because the whole nsa and the the whole you know like i know this is old news but for me it feels like reddit uh, used to be this bastion of, of of pure thought and 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 I don't know. And the more I've been in it, the more I realize that there's a lot of uh, paid kooks in there and, and, and paid shills from, you know, Russian government or American government. I don't know. I, I don't know who to believe sometimes on Reddit. Uh, I, maybe I should spend less time on the Internet. <laughs> but Well, yes, I mean, what you always get in a public forum is the loudest speakers. Yeah. How do you, how do you, you know, not to get too uh off uh, off on a tangent i mean this is what we do in the show anyway but uh, how do you know who to believe on the internet do you just everyone take for a grain of salt or or are you tr- did you figure out a filtering system uh no to me it's all the same yeah same amount of noise <laughs> I, I listen to people that i know personally yeah and and talk with um those are those are the conversations that you know i've pay attention to the internet's good for news you know for keeping up on topical stuff or mm-hmm. work related stuff but socially i don't really use the internet for that yeah even the news i figured it's it's so hard figuring out what is propaganda what isn't anymore um i, I don't know if you knew about this law that got uh that just went uh expired it was this anti-propaganda law that expired uh, like a year or two ago and and i don't know you, you feel you know, we know Russia today, for example, is, is pure pro- Russian propaganda, and we know Fox News is a big, giant joke, and, and CNN is a big, giant joke, and, and they're propaganda. So who's left? Who do you believe in terms of where do you get your truth from about what's happening in the world? Um, I have no clue. <laughs> I have a hard time figuring out who to believe in the news in terms of journalists well, nowadays. It seems like uh, the thing now is it comes from anywhere. Um you, you don't necessarily know, you know, it can come from a Snowden, it can come from um, a guy in Yugoslavia, you know, that's uh, uploading something. It's, you don't really, you don't really know exactly where it's coming from. It's just sort of what gets the exposure is what you end up being exposed to. And that's, and that's a weird thing about the internet. I feel like it's harder to filter out what the truth now that we have this open channel to tell it it's it's harder to figure out and decipher who's telling the truth amongst the loudness of all the different voices that are trying to speak up and speak out out there yeah it's it's a weird organism to think about because uh, i think the internet is in a weird and weirdly in a sense i think the internet is an organism i think it's just evolving and growing and mutating and maturing it's yeah it's a weird thing to think about um where is is VR the future of the internet for, in your opinion or or is this just a segment a tangent maybe a fad well, or no I think that it's just another extension of the types of information that's being transmitted through the internet um but I don't know if it's intrinsically different uh, mm. from what is already there it just allows people to experience things in maybe a more direct way than previously 
Uh, I just think of it as sort of like an IMAX that you wrap around your head. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't change anything necessarily, but it just is more impressive for experience. Yeah. I, I, I would say, I would go a little further in, in that, into saying that it feels, it's not just, it's not just, because with movies, I, it, and, and the regular, with the old paradigm is, is watching screens from a distance, is you, good experiences, you feel it, you know, you, you feel them somehow in your emotions and whatever part of your brain, but bad experiences, it's still... I don't know, like, so what I'm saying is, in the Rift, I feel like it's, it's, there's more, your emotional uh, part of your brain gets activated a lot more easier when you're surrounded by that, by the constant, by that world, that's, uh, it's just weird, I don't know, I, I, I do agree, though, it's, it's definitely um, a whole new medium of, of communication, for sure. Um, yeah, I understand what you mean, though. Yeah, I, because I, I, I think about how this will affect the layman or the people the people who aren't you know uh in it uh, in the bubble that we're in um, i i wonder how they will react i mean as anyone's guess but I, will will they like it will they you know will they turn against it <laughs> will they find it creepy i, I don't know I, I wonder what you know when this thing gets released onto out into the real world as a consumer device i wonder how it'll get received what's your opinion I think it'll be received well, but it comes down to the experiences too. It's, it, I mean, everybody's different. The type of thing that they want to want to do and be involved in. So, as long as there's a system that allows, you know, the type of content that they want to see fit, I think that it'll get more widely used. But that's why I think that Facebook's probably a good thing because. It gives some more, you know, brains that aren't just thinking about video games 24-7, you know, and maybe there's more engaging ways to communicate things with it than just games. Going back to Ghost in the Shell, uh, did you follow the series very much? I mean, did you follow it pretty well? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I, watched all, I watched all those and the spinoffs and the two features from it. I mean, there was a lot of stuff for that. I mean, you put out a lot of work. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I wonder what their... I, I wonder how Ghost in the Shell will... Uh, if, if reality will mimic uh, art or, or whether it's, or it's the other way around. Kind of like a chicken and egg kind of question. I wonder if that's... If, if that's what's happening in today's world, is 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 reality mimicking the art of Orwell and and other science fiction writers that were talking about you know this NSA fuckery, or or is or is it the other way around? Is it just hmm? I don't know. It could be both. Hmm. Yeah, because it's it could be. E yeah, it's easily. <laughs> hmm. What's your favorite but video I, game of all time? Look at that stuff, uh -huh. you know? So that wouldn't be so bad. If everything looked like Ghost in the Shell, I think that'd be pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, yeah uh, definitely. What's your favorite video game of all time? I, sorry, I forgot to ask earlier. Um, probably the original Half-Life was probably my favorite video game of all time. Wow. That's a, that's a solid classic. What made you... What What is it about that game that you liked so much? 
the, the, that was the first time I actually got into like heavy PC multiplayer, you know, on faster connections that really like perform. Like the, everything about the engineering of that game was just exquisite. Hmm. And it made the multiplayer aspect of it even better than the single player. And I, I got like super, super into the into the multiplayer, you know, stuff. I thought that was great. How many How many hours did you put into the multiplayer? Do you oh, remember? hundreds, probably, <laughs> probably two or three hundred hours, maybe. Did you Did you get into Counter Strike also, or or was it just that? No, I never got into Counter Strike. It was too like I got bored after I got shot. I just sit around. That sucks. I want to kill someone. <laughs> yeah. So I never got into Counter Strike. Yeah, I dabbled into I I you know when I I played Half Life the first Half Life when I was way too young. Uh, I for it I remember getting scared and then uh and then I skipped Half Life one. I know blasphemy. Uh, but I have it on Steam. I still I still have I have the game. I should play it. I should just. Man, Today it would probably look so primitive. It looked like Minecraft. Have <laughs> like they, it would be like a, a shooter. Have, has, has Valve updated the graphics on on them, or are they keeping they have, it custom? Maybe they have updated them. I, I know that they did some sort of, like, there's when they did the Source Engine or whatever, they had some extended thing that was you went into a church, and then you walked around, and that was, I think that was, like, before Half-Life 2, but I don't know if they, they probably have re redone the original Half-Life. I should look at that. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and, and see if I can play it again. I was waiting, I, I was just really waiting for VR to be here already, and I was really holding up, actually, for, to, to, to play, replay all these games of my childhood again, um, but, it's hard, man. Half Life Two. I two, uh, two hours into the game, and I I don't know if I can get it go any further. It's just too. It makes my stomach too queasy. <laughs> it's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, I mean that's the thing when you when you are play those first person shooters. Sometimes they they're like that. Yeah, it gets it gets too crazy, too crazy for my brain. Uh, and it's just yeah, it's I feel like it, it is a matter of time though. I mean, the more you do it, yeah, your brain would just. Neuroplasticity, plasticity. You just get adapted to it. Hmm. How does Valve, you know, and the Steam machines affect VR and and, and the current landscape? Uh, do you think that it will have an impact at all? Um, I don't know if Valve ever released any form of support with with official support for a Steam machine and Oculus, but but I wonder if if Valve will have a dent, if at all, in, in the VR industry. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, it looks like Oculus poached a couple of their guys that were the most interested in it, and mm -hmm. I can't imagine that Valve has a massive team of researchers working on virtual reality development. Um, but maybe they are. I think that regardless, the Steam Box, once that comes out, will probably be a pretty good fit for the Oculus in the home. So um, if they time that with the Oculus release, I would imagine pretty good sell-through on their on their boxes. Yeah. Do you think the gaming market is uh, s saturated, mature, or are we about to see a revolution of new content because of VR? Oh, there'll be lots of there'll be lots more content. It's nascent now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in the in the early seedling stages, not even the beginning. As a well, the video, so the video game industry, uh, going back like, to, to like if you had a choice between 
the best console game that could come out, you know, costs like three hundred million to make, and the best VR game that costs three hundred million to make. Which one would you rather play? VR. <laughs> Easy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't? Who yeah. wouldn't want the most kick-ass simulation game, you know, in VR? It, and who will ever play a console game? You know, um, there'll be those people that like retro games, you know, like Mario Brothers and stuff, but. Um, I think for like a full entertainment, you know, if you, if it's going to be a 3D game, you'll want to have it in VR. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And speaking of that number, the 300, you know, because it's not unheard of. It's not unheard of to to think about of a, a particular game, <clears throat> Grand Theft Auto, that costs 300 million dollars to make. Uh, but does that worry you as an indie developer that the fact that these uh, giant publishers these giant monsters are out there lurking uh still i don't know if they're oblivious to uh, oculus's presence but i don't know but i think they're hesitant they're still waiting to jump in the water with you uh but once they do, I think it's a matter of time before they do jump in the water and, and start creating $100 million, $50 million VR experiences. Does that worry you? Are you, are you, how, do you how are you anticipating that particular possibility, if at all? I well, wonder. I mean, uh, the thing is, it, organizations like that are very slow-moving, so... Um, they will have one product out in two years, and in the same amount of time, I could have, you know, potentially four or five different games out. So I would rather do different types of experiences. That's how I just like to develop. I don't really, um, I came from that background of spending two years um, developing one IP, and It gets boring, quite frankly. I'm not, you know, I would rather do multiple different games. And with the Oculus, the thing is, it, it sort of cuts through all the all the fat. You know, there's there's no more cinematics. There's no more of of all the fluff that makes these huge budgets. Um, what people just want is a great gameplay experience, and you know, potentially, you know, um, eye-opening graphics. So. It's now, you know, you got Unreal, people for, you know, $18 can have that engine and build experiences the same as this $300 you know, million dollar game. So um, I, I think that there's going to be a leveling playing field, and VR is really going to usher that in. That is a fascinating point you bring up in terms of the fluff. Of, of developing uh, video, video game content. So I mean, it, there's going to be people that always want that type of thing and mm -hmm. want, like, the 200 different guns, you know, and, you know, whatever extra add-on type stuff. But I think ultimately, you know, you just want something that's rewarding for, for you know, for the type of experience that you're looking for. So... With VR, there's so many different things you can do. It's hard to imagine that big studios are going to cover everything. Yeah, and in, and it's it's so that's a really good point you bring up in terms of I, I mean I'm still stuck on that thinking about how VR uh, cinematics don't look good or don't feel like they belong in a VR experience. I mean at this point in time, I can't think of a cinematic. That pulled me away from my face, put a screen in front of me, and made me watch it without, you know, at a static point. I wonder, you know, I haven't found something that 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 actually feels satisfying. And so, 
For that matter, that's true. I feel like we are witnessing the democratization of content creation somehow. Uh, the slow democratization of content creation. But it'll, but it's happening. It's, hmm. And it's fucking awesome. <laughs> the, the main hurdle, though, just to go back to your, your original question, for Indies, though, would be the fact that um, you have to do 3D well to make a good Rift experience. And so that is, you know, a bit of a learning curve for people that maybe be coming from a traditional games or 2D games background and are trying to make the leap into VR. So there's going to be definitely some new inventions, but ultimately good 3D skills are what is going to make the experience more interesting. What are some, I mean, principles of, of just general, some general principles of ha of having good 3D skills that perhaps you can share with, with the audience? Um, just understanding design space. So, um, like, you had another article on your blog about some guys doing architecture stuff, which mm -hmm. I think is great. And that's something that, even in games, is going to become more important, where um, the space that you're in, you know, I see, like, some of these demos, and I'm just in this shoebox, you know, with a couple of... Uh, neon painted signs on the walls. It's like I walked into some weird porno theater or something. You know? and that's not gonna hack. You know, that's not gonna hack it. Um, once start, people start really building out some amazing VR, you know, content, you're, you're, it's gonna take some three D skills to make the space interesting. Yeah, for sure. And so, and so, there's definitely having an eye towards that particular detail of, of that. Of, of making sure that the user feels like they belong in that space. It's not like, yeah, it's not like a shoebox. Is there well, anything... One thing, yeah. um, too, that, uh, that Oculus, you know, talked about a lot of GDC was latency and, you know, keeping the frame rates up as well. So that's something that, you know, ha has been a challenge on mobile. So people coming from, from that area might be more familiar with optimizations. But um, sometimes things you could do... Uh, in traditional PC games are more difficult to do in, in Oculus um, simulations. Yeah. No, that's definitely... Hi, yeah, that's definitely for sure. What are your, what are your thoughts in uh, PC versus Sony uh, in, in the VR competitiveness uh, of the industry? Is, it, is there going to be is this going to divide indie developers? Is this going to hurt the industry as a whole eventually? Or is, or is it a good thing that we're seeing this competition because yeah, Sony's I think in that it. it's good that there's other devices that are trying to achieve the same result. I think that the, ultimately, you know, the market will choose what device fits, you know, the need. Um, so they can only help, and, and obviously Sony, you know, does games. So from a game developer standpoint, it's good because I have potentially another client um, to license to. Yeah. So, but but having them have a different set of tools or a different—I mean—does that is that an obstacle that doesn't bother you to to think about, or is it just part of the business? Um, I, I think that people that own a PlayStation they will probably prefer to have the Sony headset. And I think people that are, you know, in a PC um, or Mac um, area and are more comfortable gaming in those areas will probably lean towards Oculus. Yeah, if I can have my cake and eat it, I'd have both. <laughs> 
I, I really would. I wouldn't mind just owning a, a DK, a CV1, and a project. I mean, Oculus is talking now about a $200 price point for the consumer version. So, I mean, God at damn. that price, is how could you not, you know? Have have your cake and eat too. Seems yeah, yeah. No, my mouth is watering. It's uh, that price sounds quite delicious, and I can't wait to have my cake because at this point it just seems ine inevitable uh, that Oculus will have a pretty good price point. Uh, you know, considering well, I mean, they've gone on record as saying that they'll sell them at cost. So. Basically, whatever you end up paying will be what it costs to make that thing. So, you know. Where, but where, but where does it get expensive for for the VR user, especially the new adopt the uh, new adoptees adopters, uh, especially the new adopters? Where, where will it get expensive? Will it get expensive with the input devices? Will it get expensive with the games? I don't know if VR games will be more expensive than. Yeah, probably the input devices will yeah. be the first major expense. I mean. I don't really, I haven't used to any of those things, so I don't know if they're worth the price of admission or not, but for me, I just prefer using the Xbox controller, um, the 360 controller, and just mapping to that control scheme seems like you can do the widest range of experiences. I, you know, I don't have a lot of desk space, I don't want, you know, 20 different motion capture, what to jigs, I'd rather just have one thing that I can basically run all the games with, so. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is the... Yeah, I think what they could be interesting, though, is um, motion sensing, um, like, wristbands, um, so that you can do some, you know, some, like, uh, gesture recognition stuff on your keyboard. That would be cool. That, that like would be... You, in the VR, if you could have the keyboard, you know, projected, mm -hmm. and then it just somehow, like, it just matches up through AR, the keys, you know, so you don't have to, like, pull off the headset. That would be really cool. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that brings to mind the Thalmic Lab... I forgot the name of the thing. It's this arm, this armband that you wear over your forearm, and it... And it is able to track the muscle movements of what three your fingers. So if you do the Spider-Man whatever move, it you know potentially theoretically you could show, shoot spider spider webs through it uh, in a simulation. So I think about your 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 bracelet or wristband of whatnot, and I think about perhaps figuring out a way sometime in the long term future how to map out your fingertip movements. But that's... Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's really that far out there because a lot of companies are just working on wearable computing stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, in Austin, there's like one or two of them. Um, so it's just basically using that to input into the engine. So uh, I think that that's – there's these guys, Vio. Um, I, I think their name is Vio AR or something. Mm -hmm. um, they were they were at the South by Southwest convention and they were doing um, like it's a vest that's that you uh, strap on and then it does motion capture real time motion capture in the in the VR space. Yeah, which is cool. But I would rather just have like you know ankle straps and wrist straps and then I just turn on the on the game and I'm already doing my motion capture like I don't want a big you know tether and, and a lot of you know magnets and stuff mm -hmm. um, it has to be completely um, I, I can forget about it you know it's transparent to me as a user that's when it, that's when I would buy that yeah there's but some 
right now it's too arbitrary. There's too many things, you know. There's too many drivers. There's too many cables. There's too many add-ons. It's it's too complicated, you know. That'll the 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 consumer will never adopt something like that. Yeah, and 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 at the end of the day, I I think price points are king uh, for yeah. for the average yeah, consumer. So, I mean, the, the, that's the only thing is a keyboard is not a great device for VR. Like, honestly, the mouse and the keyboard is like the last thing that I'd want to use. So <laughs> I understand why people are talking about that, but they need to they need to keep working. I agree. I have a uh, Bluetooth key. I have this Durovis Dive, this smartphone VR headset uh, adapter thingamajig. It's a great device. I, I can play all these Google Play, Android VR games, and the problem with my phone in particular is I'm too lazy to root it, or slash too scared, um, because I, I'm afraid I'm going to brick it, uh, but essentially when I play the VR games on Android, I have to use this Bluetooth keyboard, and just like what you're saying, it just feels so silly, it feels so weird to be using a keyboard and trying to manage a game uh, in VR in, in particular. So it, just, it takes a long time, you know, to get all that stuff hooked up. Yeah. So, yeah, but but then trying to figure out the next interface. I mean, that's that's a that's the billion dollar question. Who is going to nail that one down? Uh, because after that, I, I feel like that's where the standard is going to be set to go from. Hmm. What well, about? And I mean, it, it'll it'll come in small bits and pieces and it probably won't all come from one person it'll probably come from you know a series of staged development where not only do developers get more affluent with you know the the systems but mm -hmm. users get more familiar with what works and what does as well yeah Prio Prio VR is the company you were mentioning. I saw them. Okay, at, Prio VR. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, I saw them at GDC. A, a pretty big crowd surrounding them. I I, I wish I had uh, at the time to go hit them up. But what does the Austin uh, VR scene look like these days? Um, it's pretty early actually. Um, there's there's not a ton of stuff going on with VR. It's sort of all mixed in with all the other technologies, um, like 3D, um, 3D scanning and printing, and you know, um, arcade manufacturing. You know, an arcade cabinet. <laughs> it's it's just it's 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 all over the place. Yeah, but it's it's starting to pick up. You know, once um, I think that it goes. It goes to retail. Um, I think that's when you'll start to see more Austin developers consider VR stuff. For sure. Well, when you bring up VR to people, what do you? What, what sorts of reactions are you getting these days? Oh, people are really interested in it. People yeah. Want to know more? Like, and usually, when it, can I buy one? <laughs> Which is always a good thing to hear. I'm uh, I'm so looking forward to when uh, my DK2 arrives because I I'm hitting the streets again. That's I'm holding back these days on on showing off the DK1, uh, just because it's just you know knowing what's coming next. It just you know it would be a disservice to the person putting it on right now, uh, in my opinion. So yeah, I'm 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 gonna go wild when the DK2 arrives and just showing it to everyone. Yeah. It's it's gonna be fun. I mean, I've spent so many hours with the DK1 now that I've gotten used to it. So it's I can't wait to see everything again. What are you gonna do with your DK1? Are you gonna put it up as a 
in a box and have it as a collector's model to give it to your grandchildren? Yeah, was, uh, uh, I had a couple other studio ones and ones that we used at demos, and I've sold all those, but I've kept my last one, and I will probably never sell it. I'll probably just hold on to it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a relic, I think. It's How many are there? What, 50, 70,000 out there in the world? Uh, those numbers will will go down eventually. I'm going to, yeah, I'm definitely going to put mine away somewhere and uh, see uh, see what see where this leads. I mean, because, you know, I, 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 this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it away. Ten years from now, I'm going to take it out one more time, and I'm going to compare it to the latest VR device, and I'm going to do a review, a video review. So check out my YouTube channel, 10 years from now, everybody. Uh, you're going to see a video review of me trying out DK1 comparison versus the next it will, I mean, what what do you think it'll be like ten years from now? I, I, now we're going into, you know, speculation town. But what do you think it'll uh, look like ten years from now? Um, I th- think that uh, the optics, you know, will just continue to improve. So the thing ultimately that that I think you would want to see is where the lenses um, are are beyond the field of view of your retinas. And then the pixelation um, diodes become so microscopic that uh, your your naked eye can't make out you know individual pixels anymore. Um, that's you know if if you have infinite depth in the in the virtual image, it would be indistinguishable from reality. How crazy i mean that sounds insane and just the thought of mimicking it's not that far off though yeah really i mean they're pretty they're pretty damn close to it now even with these plastic lenses and stuff if if they really you know put a ton of money into making like a a a kick-ass system you could easily achieve that dear god the matrix is coming it's coming (laughs) (laughs) i i saw a uh a reddit post once saying uh it was some a comment that left left my mind spinning for a while uh how this guy was saying uh people were, were excited about dk1 i don't remember the context but someone i was some guy came out saying uh yeah now imagine uh imagine if all of this is just uh we're all just inside uh, oculus version number 10 and you know we're just replaying a movie <laughs> Of how this thing was born, and it's just in replay infinitely. Yeah, man, it's it's, it's uh, we're all we're all in the machine. Yeah, <laughs> is there? I mean, is that even is that even a possibility uh, to think about humans uh, wanting to be inside this machine? I mean, I, yeah, I just thinking about it, man. I just feel like it's science yeah, it's fiction. Incredible. Yeah, I mean. Uh, in my old age, I can't imagine I'd want to do anything but, you know, do VR stuff, especially if it's more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is, I mean, what is, what is, what's next frontier for VR? Is it actually hooking up to the human mind, to the brain, or, or is it... I don't think it's too invasive. I think it, it's just uh, recording real-time, you know, data. For, for what I can see, that's going to be, you know, the next major breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So, in what way do you mean recording real-time data? Uh, basically, you know, they, it's similar to how your uh, your Kinect camera or whatever will work. You know, it's it's uh, 
shooting shooting rays out. It's using software to determine spatial relationships, and then it's recording that for a transmission. So hmm. uh, that'd be like you know that would be the the real world holodeck where you can actually you know set up a, a series of scanners and cameras to record three D space in real time, and then transmit that through the through the Oculus. That it. <laughs> Can that get invasive also, do you think? Well, yeah, but you got cameras everywhere already. It's no different. <laughs> that is... That's that's a, this... That's, well, that's a, like the Batman thing. Didn't yeah. you have that through all the cell phones he turned on? You could scan, you know, the whole Gotham City or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just that. I mean, it's... I'm sure the NSA already has it somewhere. Yeah, I'm, that technology somewhere. I'm sure they already know everything you say, everything. Yeah, just have... The whole world mapped out three dimensionally through the through through sound waves, but going back to that 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 question of of plugging your brain into the machine into with VR, I if someone came up to you with the choice to remain human and and be who you are right now or or have the ability to have infinite knowledge and 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 well near infinite knowledge or the ability to you know, uh, process calculations at, uh, you know, billions of times more than what you can do right now. W- would you do it? I mean, just to, to think you would be handed over this great power, but here's the thing. We know everything you think about. Why not? Yeah. Look me up. Yeah. <laughs> I like your style. <laughs> Johnny Depp movie come out? The like, Transcendence yeah. one, yeah. So I thought that was uh, the whole premise of thing. Now, now you make me go see that movie, see I, how it ends. I haven't seen it either. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm... <laughs> well, no, no, if that's the right decision or not. <laughs> Johnny Depp, tell me, tell me that's the right decision. <laughs> yeah, why not plug me in? I, I want. We want to. Oh, it'd be cool. Um, but I think that it'll ultimately transition to that anyway. You know, people that you know, if you have real-time, um, you know, telepresence and everything with the VR, then, you know, people will, you know, what's technically the difference? You're not in the space that you're you're perceiving yourself to be in, but your mind is in that space. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not thinking about anything else that's going on in the room when you've got those goggles on. Yeah. The whole telepresence idea, the idea of real-time telepresence and having it available for millions of people to to enjoy and experience, uh, I think to me it brings to mind ideas of the singularity. How you know if if I want to know the truth about something about that's happening somewhere, for example Venezuela, I, I'll just plug into the you know into a VR goggle that will show me a telepresence experience of what's happening in real time right there. Uh, well, I, like, you know, I'm every, every evening I turn on the news and I watch what's happened in the world, you know, how much cooler would that be if the, all, everything that happened in the news was actually a Oculus simulation that you could experience recorded, you know? Like the Pope, you know, last yesterday the Pope uh, grabbed two kids from uh, from the crowd and he let them ride in the Popemobile and they and they drove around the square. You know, how wow. awesome would it be to have an Oculus camera on one of those kids, you know, heads and you can ride in the Popemobile, you know, with 
all the people screaming and everything, and they're like, two kids rode the boat wheel. You're like, yeah, I was just there, you know? That would be insane. That would be that would be amazing. And then your interface would be a giant globe that you would spin around with your hands, and you would pin, pinpoint at your finger, and you zoom in into Italy, and then here's all the new yeah. stories coming out of Italy in real time right now, and then bam, you like zoom that- Facebook, Facebook version uh, 30, you know. <laughs> yeah. <Spin around. laughs> That's, uh, what a, a crazy future we are walking right into. Um, holy shit. And it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting stuff changes so rapidly because you never know. And the thing that I find it both exciting and, and scary is there's no precedent there's nothing. There's nothing, be, you know, before us that we could go back and say yes. Th- that's what's ha- that. You know, we can take. We can learn from them. No, we. There's, you know, the Inca civilization, the Indus Valley civilization, the Romans. None of them had fucking computers in their pockets that they could connect, tether themselves to to this mainframe. Yeah, we'll, have, we'll need a new calendar. We'll have like a BVR period. <laughs> Uh, all history was just a reference to, but it was never actually experienced. Your your words are quite prophetic. Uh, I I think I think I'm one of those people. I think it's just uh, you know the birth of virtual reality is just as big as the birth of Jesus. Oh man, I said it. <laughs> it did. I think really. I think it's just. Uh, I don't know. I uh, we're barely scratching the surface. And barely, and I, I don't think we've even seen the tip of the iceberg, or where, the, where this, where this will end up. Especially when you put all the other te- technologies that are in conjunction, advancing forward, 3D printing, uh, big data, you know, machine automation, uh, all these things in con- you know, put together as components of the same orchestra are gonna make fabulous music in the future. Um, but. I think so, yeah. Um, but that's that's why I think like the big the big technology shift will be when you can record live live events because simulation is is only going to be realistic up to a point. So uh, people that are really interested in it will eventually you know reach a glass ceiling with with what can be done until they can record stuff. What about the idea of and going back to plugging into the machine and having super ability, superhuman abilities? Do you think we're gonna have backlash uh, from 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 the society as a whole because we're so pu- because we want to push so so quickly into the future? Well, I mean, it's like a Frankenstein syndrome that you know you will only be able to peak what the technology will allow. So. Peek into. Can you explain that a little bit further? You'll never be able to replace reality, so that would be the that would be the limit, you know, of how invested people can get. Huh. Bam. Mind blown. That's the sound of my mind being blown. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, man. I. Uh, yeah, I, man. You you've taken you you took me down the rabbit hole here. I, I and I quite thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> it. Sorry, sorry. I I have fallen victim to your rabbit hole. Uh, dude, Neil, you've been amazing. Thanks so much for your for your time, man. I really appreciate you coming along and having all this. I don't even know what we just talked about, but it was awesome. <laughs> I had a fun time. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But hopefully, 
Hopefully there won't be much to edit. No, I, this is... Un, you get Enter VR, uncut, un, uh, uncircumcised, all that good stuff. How can people stay in touch with you? How can people uh, follow what you're up to, support what you're doing, all that good stuff? They can reach me at my email, which is my name, nnellans, N-N-E-L-L-A-N-S, at ghostmachinestudios.com. Um, or you can just go on the Ghost Machine website and send us probably an email somewhere through there. We'll, we just put up the website this week, so excuse us while we're still getting some new content and everything up there. Um, but that would probably be the best way. Or on the Oculus forums um, as Muglore, which is my pseudonym on there. Muglore? Yeah, M-U-G-L-O-R-E. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And do you, are, do you have a Twitter by any chance? Uh, yes, our Twitter is Ghost Machine VR. Very cool. So all the uh, all this information will be up in my show notes. Uh, you can uh, again check out Neil's work and 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 uh, check out the demo. Uh, is it is the demo publicly available? I forgot to ask. I did get your email. Uh, the demo is on superbikett.com and will be migrating that to ghostmachinestudios.com um, probably by the end of the week. So yes, it is up. There you go. Perfect. So uh, check out Superbike TT and Homer's Great Adventure. Uh, or Adventure Spectacular. <laughs> Adventure Spectacular. And iTunes. Where on Google Play and iTunes, where you can shoot uh, fire from a dog's butt and lasers from his mouth. I uh, I'm going straight to that game. I think it's a free download. Oh, even I better. Gave, I just gave that gem away. <laughs> You're. Uh, we're seeing the birth of the next Flappy Bird. Uh, once again, you uh, you've been a, a scholar and gentleman of virtual reality. Thanks again, Neil Nellens. Hey. It's a lot of good talking to you, Chris. And bam, that's it. Cool. Cool, cool, cool.